Talk to my friend Drew. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As diehard conservative. I'm to this guy for wisdom. Welcome to the Drew Allen Show. This is your host, the Millennial Minister of Truth, Drew Allen. It's great to be back with you twice this week. We're inching closer to normalcy here. Of course, the ultimate goal is five days a week, and we'll get there, too. Thanks for joining me again. Uh, So this is momentous. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to be the annoying host that talks about his personal life all the time. And nobody wants to deal with that. You're here to listen to one thing, and that's mainly my uh, brilliance in terms of uh, understanding and relaying what's going on in the country because, you know, we're not a bunch of libs, most of us out there. There are probably a few listening, but, you you know, we work for a living. We're busy. We don't have time. So people find these podcasts and watch their shows because they trust people and so on and so forth. So anyway, uh, most of you are listening. If you're watching, you know, I just full transparency here, you know, this I've got spit up on my right shoulder. You can see here that that's fresh from my my, my daughter. So I've got a coffee cup in front of me. I've got some coconut water and I don't care if you're watching, I'm going to drink my coffee uh, because life goes on. Now, there's a reason I did actually intro. Can you get that, Captain? You see that? Yeah, that's the good stuff right there. That is fresh mother's milk. All right. Well, actually, it was frozen. And I, This is too much. Okay, let's get down to business. Look, I want to get into the debt ceiling. We're going to do that soon. We're going to hit Comer uh, in this investigation into Joe Biden or non-investigation into Joe Biden, I should say, in terms of the FBI's involvement. But Ray is going to at least let a couple more people take a look at the document that supposedly proves the bribery scheme, one of them, with regards to Joe. And uh, what else? I mean, we've got, yeah, I mean, this, this debt ceiling we got hosed, folks. We got hosed. But it's hard. It's hard to know. You know, before my day went uh, all crazy like this, I actually was going to start the show this way. Are you ready? Let's reset. I feel like I'm in an Agatha Christie whodunit novel. Because you hear all these things about what happened with the debt ceiling debate. McCarthy's out there. His newest sidekick, you know, MTG, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's out there, full-throated support for this thing, basically telling us we're stupid people if we don't get it, that this is such a great deal, and all sorts of things. And it feels, of course, a lot like, well, betrayal by the Republican Party. And so you, I, I guess the Agatha Christie who done it is, who can we trust in the Republican Party? I, I really, honestly, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. There are people that I, I rely on. There are people that I believe more in than others. But I, at this point, I am so skeptical of all of these people. It, it, there's no consistency to the thought. You've got Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example, who, you know, we've all got our flaws. She certainly had hers with some of her QAnon stuff and so on and so forth. But, you know, she was a f- ardent Trump supporter. Uh, she claimed to be something that she might not be. I mean, she had a I don't want to pick apart people's personal lives, but it's relevant here. I mean, she she had an affair with her trainer. I mean, this, you know, but but I'm saying that, you know, the thing with her, her the, the outward image, what we're sold is, is very different. This devout Christian woman, not that 
people can't make mistakes if they're Christians. But I'm just suspicious of these people. I'm just suspicious of these people now. I don't know. Are you, Captain? Is this... Do you feel like this? Just totally discombobulated? Yeah. Yeah, it's like playing one of those uh, assassin card games or something like that when you're trying to figure out who's trying to kill you, who the assassins are. That's that's what I'm going through right now. But anyway, look, last episode, a few days ago, I touched on this the very sensitive topic versus Trump. I promise not to get in the weeds about uh, Trump DeSantis every time. I promised that I would give you opinion and acknowledge when it was opinion, and I would try and be fair as well. But I did tell you that I am I'm in the Trump camp. I'm not paid by Trump, but I, I, I'm backing Trump at this point, right? And the, the reason I tell you that is not to try and alienate some of my audience out there, but I'll give you an example of why I do this. Because I, 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 <clears throat> I'm actually telling you this because I respect you, and I'm not trying to play both sides. I just, I'm not, I'm not a liar. I'm not, ask my wife. I, I cannot lie about anything. I, I just, even if I try, I get caught immediately. I, I betray myself. So I'm not that kind of guy. So the reason I say that, and I wanted to reiterate that, okay, look, you know where I stand. You know where I stand, but you can still trust and rely on me. If you disagree, you know, I mean, we don't have to agree on everything. But you had uh, Clay Travis isn't this Buck Sexton? It's Clay Travis, right, Captain? I'm, I'm blanking. It's Clay Travis. Okay. Clay Travis, former sports announcer turned, I think liberal too, turned conservative. He, he does a show with Buck Sexton and, you know, they took over part of Rush Limbaugh's spots and Dan Bongino got the other ones, I think. But Clay Travis was at the DeSantis, it was an investor meeting it was an inv- investor meeting is what they called it. It was a fundraiser. Now, nothing wrong, per se, with Clay Travis being there. That's not the issue. But Clay Travis was there. He had a badge on that said investor. And a photo of him emerged at this DeSantis, DeSantis event. And Laura Loomer, some other people, certainly on Twitter, they helped get this out there, but they put a picture out there and And they were accusing or pointing out the fact that Clay Travis, who claims not to be endorsing anyone or claims to be this totally objective source in terms of the Republican presidential campaign, campaigns, well, called him out. And he he, he said, oh, well, you say this, Clay, but you're at the DeSantis event. And then Clay responded by saying he goes to all sorts of these things. He downplayed it, said it's no big deal. He was just there. And the whole team of paid DeSantis actors, uh, well, I won't go down, down the list. I'm picking on enough people right now. But they're coming out defending this, saying it's no big deal, nothing to see here. Well, it turns out that video and audio also emerged of Clay Travis speaking at the event. Now, I personally... I have I have an issue with this. I don't like liars. It betrays the audience. It betrays trust. He lied. Clay Travis lied. Now, whatever. It's not the end of the world. But I take offense to that. 
So I don't want to be that person. I don't want to sit here and... I mean, and at some point it becomes obvious too. If you listen to these shows, and I'm just predicting setting example. I don't listen to these guys because I don't have time. Yeah, pull up the photo if you want, Captain. Just do it as you wish as I talk. Pull it up. Take it away. But at some point, it's evident who people support anyway because their whole shows are dedicated to propping up certain people. Now, I'm not making my show that kind of show right now. I told you at some point next year, probably, that's what uh, will have to have to happen to some extent. We'll have to dig in and take sides. But I respect you too much to pretend to be something that I'm not. So, again, I support Trump. That's where I, That's how I still feel right now, okay? So, just want to tell you that. People who do otherwise don't respect their audiences. All right, where to begin, huh? Let's do this debt ceiling. Once again, this exposes so many failures, so many shortcomings, so many... Uh, how do I put this? There's so many shortcomings morally, ethically, right? legislatively with the Democratic Party and Joe Biden, but they're all on display here again with the debt ceiling deal. And I'll get to our side in a second. But if you watch the news or have watched the news since this agreement was reached, an agreement that, 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 I mean, think about this before I make that point. We have a majority, but a majority nonetheless, in the House of Representatives. And Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, the head of the Republicans in the House, he cut a deal with Democrats. He went to the Democrats and tried to get a deal that they could agree with and ignored his own party. Do you understand how wrong that is? You're put there to represent us. You're, you're put there to represent your constituents. In his case, he's in California, but they're all representing people who voted a majority for Republicans. And so he goes there to represent Republicans. And he goes and makes a deal with the Democrats, ignoring the conservative base, many people, in fact, in his own party, cut them out of the negotiations completely, did it in secrecy, and went and made essentially a secret deal with Joe Biden. And he relied upon Democrats to get it passed. More Democrats voted for this than Republicans, even though, the, even though we have the majority. Think about that. Think about that. Epic betrayal. So anyway, they get the, they get the deal done. And Joe Biden, I don't know if you saw him, he just fell down again. <laughs> he just fell down again. He gave a speech at the Naval Academy, I think it was, right, Captain? If, I, if I'm not missing, Air Force? Okay. Well, he finished giving his speech or reading a teleprompter or, I don't know. Did you see, Captain, did he, did he call the, the, uh, uh, well, our cadets? Did he, did he call them, what did he, what did he say overseas? He called them dumb sons of bleeps he said you were dull remember this type, type this in while you're over there captain this is a, like when they attack donald trump about 
the fake losers and suckers hoax. You know, Joe Biden, his vice president, was actually over in the Middle East somewhere giving a speech to troops, and they didn't laugh at a joke. He talked about how he had good taste or something like that because he married Jill Biden, had an affair with Jill Biden, and then married her. I mean, Jill Biden was cheating on her husband when, you understand. And anyway, they didn't laugh, and he called them dull or slow. He, he said, uh, it's, on, it's on, on uh, video, and there's audio too. It's funny because I just wrote about it in my book. Anyway, I don't, think he, I don't think he insulted the troops this time. It was a stupid bastards. Oh, stupid bastards? Ah, oh, okay, that's right. He went and called the troops stupid bastards. That's something Trump never did. So anyway, he tripped and whatever. And Joe Biden's being heralded by the left as this He got this deal done. He negotiated this deal with McCarthy. This is Joe Biden's deal. This is another instance of how great he is, why he should be reelected, because nobody negotiates better than Joe Biden. Cue up cut one, Captain. Actually, let's do it another way. Do cut two first. So I just want you to hear Hakeem Jeffries. This is after Joe Biden. Uh, I guess, well, he since it was approved in the Senate. So he signed this bill, I assume, at this point. But play this cut of Jeffries commenting on Joe Biden and the debt ceiling deal. And these Republicans, they're going to say that Joe Biden refused to sit down with them. That's a fake narrative that they've continued to try to put into the public domain. They said that President Biden refused to talk for 97 days. Fake, false, fraudulent narrative. Okay, just to show you how reprehensible and disgraceful all of these Democrats are, how stupid they think you and I are. Here is cut one. Here is Corrine Jean-Pierre not long ago talking about Joe Biden and how he was not negotiating. Play cut one. We don't see any negotiation here. We don't see uh, anything that needs to be discussed. It's pretty simple and it's pretty straightforward. Uh, We believe that Congress has a constitutional duty to get this done. The president's stance on uh, negotiation stands, right, which is he does not believe, as it relates to the debt ceiling, uh, that we should be negotiating. We've been very clear. We're not going to negotiate on the debt ceiling. He never came to the table to negotiate on the debt ceiling. That was not something that occurred. That is not something that's happening. We've been very clear. We're not negotiating around the debt ceiling. When you think about the debt limit, it is not negotiable. We should not be negotiating on the debt ceiling. There's no negotiation uh, that we will be having. The debt ceiling, it should be done without negotiation. There should be no negotiation. This should be done without conditions. We should not have to negotiate on this. Look, we've been very clear. We're not going to negotiate. We're just not going to negotiate on that. As the president said yesterday, he's happy to meet with Speaker McCarthy but not on whether or not the debt limit gets extended. That is not negotiable, and we have been very clear about this. The president said he's happy to meet with McCarthy, but not on whether or not the debt limit gets extended. That's not negotiable. He is not going to negotiate on the debt ceiling. Been very clear. That is not going to change. I mean, we've been very clear. Uh, Look, uh, 
There shouldn't be negotiations. This is not negotiable. We are not going to negotiate. There's no negotiating around the debt limit. I mean, all right. I mean, that's a, and that went up up until, you know, mid-May. Her making these claims, he's not going to negotiate. Not going to negotiate, not going to negotiate. And then it was strange because he announced he was gone on his 652nd vacation off to Delaware. And then all of a sudden over the weekend, and that's how I knew that McCarthy was up to no good. And this is my opinion. Uh, when they struck this deal over the weekend, they struck this deal. It was Memorial Day weekend. And that's when they decided they had all this time. And, and do not be deceived. I'm so sick of this, too. I've got a cut of, well, maybe I left it out. Yeah, I, I didn't include the cut. But nonetheless, you, you've heard all these different things from Republicans out there. They talk about how McCarthy cut them out of the deal. Um, I just, I got to go off my eyes off the uh, direct into the camera for a, for a second here. But I just, I just had, I made some notes. I was trying to compare. Remember, the Republicans actually uh, passed in the House a debt ceiling bill. They already did this. What was it called? They called it the, uh, I'm still here. Hang with me. Oh, it was called the, 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 the Limit Save Grow Bill. Limit, save, grow bill. This is a pass that the House already passed, right? The Democrats and Chuck Schumer and everyone were saying, show us the deal. Show us the deal. You're not showing us a deal if you have solutions, if you want to do it. And the Republicans did just that. They, they passed a bill in the House and they said, OK, you've got a bill. And that didn't stop the Democrats from lying and saying that the Republicans didn't have anything to offer. They still gaslit and lied to their own base. But they did get that bill out. And this bill's nothing like that bill. Democrat bill. So... It raises the debt ceiling until January 1st, 2025. That's a full year later than Republicans previously claimed they wanted. Now, allegedly, from what people that are in Congress, the Republicans have been saying, is that Joe Biden didn't didn't even ask for that extension by a year. That's something that McCarthy came up with and offered on his own. And that wasn't even in the previous House bill. So McCarthy comes in. And the reason he did this is because he doesn't want to have to deal with this during the midterms. Well, it's not the midterms, sorry. Every two years, right, you know, the Congress, that House of Representatives, those members are, are up for re-election. So, so anyway, they don't want to deal with this in 2024 during the during an election year. Um, so the Inflation Reduction Act, that was a huge $1.2 trillion boondoggle. It was just green energy subsidies. And remember, they lied. I mean, it was a it was a a tax and spend bill for green energy. It gave subsidies to rich people that want to buy electric vehicles. It gave out. It was crony capitalism. It gave out money, taxpayer dollars to you know a bunch of battery manufacturers and so on and so forth. And it was only after the bill was passed that Democrats admitted that it had nothing to do with inflation. They simply called it the Inflation Reduction Act intentionally because they needed to, you know, trick Manchin to get Manchin to sign off on this and pass it. So the Inflation Reduction Act was left completely intact. $1.2 trillion to radically transform our economy from fossil fuels to electric 
banning. I mean, mean, it's just, it is apocalyptic where this nation's heading if this party remains in control in 2024. Gas-powered vehicles will be all, well, pretty much by then, all banned. They're kind of phasing it out, but rapidly as well. But gas-powered vehicles, they're banning those. Gas stoves, they're banning those. Incandescent light bulbs are set to be made illegal in a few months here. I mean, this is, this is crazy. This is, this is literally insanity. These are existential threats to our way of life. Illegal immigration, inflation, which is the result of printing too much money. Illegal immigration, did I just say that? But this green new energy transfer, I mean, all of this is apocalyptic. Spells absolute catastrophe for every single American. And and, and for McCarthy, these things were just left intact. Where is the urgency? Where is the urgency from our representatives to address these things? The reality is that this spending is the advantage of all advantages, not spending. What I'm trying to say is budget negotiations, controlling the purse. And the Republicans controlled the purse in the House. That was their strongest weapon to undo any of the damage that has already been done or is in the works because it's been passed, but it hasn't gone into implementation yet. And they squandered the opportunity. And what offends me the most is McCarthy and MTG and these individuals just lying to our faces like they think we are idiots. So Inflation Reduction Act left intact. You know who they did help out, though? They couldn't help the American people out. They couldn't fight for us. You know, they only cut $1.4 billion from the $80 billion that Democrats allocated to the IRS. And I got that from MSNBC because I've heard conflicting things. But according to MSNBC, it cuts $1.4 billion from $80 billion. That's nothing. Is this a joke? McCarthy promised so many things and didn't deliver any of them here. Uh, this budget deal they negotiated preserved Biden's unconstitutional student loan bailout. So that's still in there. Now, maybe the Supreme Court will get there and they'll intervene and stop it, but that's going to cost us $500 billion to $1 trillion. Somewhere in that range, so they say. So we couldn't even ask or demand that Joe Biden remove the student loan bailout? That was too much to ask. And this bill left a few things intact from the Limit, Save, Grow bill. The thing they're championing is, you know, putting a bunch of proposals or things in there to strengthen work requirements for for welfare recipients. But most of them were stripped out. So what I was saying is they couldn't do anything for the American people. But you know who got a handout? You know who got his voice heard in all this? Not a Republican. Not you and me, but Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin, Joe Manchin, he made sure that in this bill, Joe Manchin, so that Joe Manchin, you see, Joe Manchin knows how to wield power. 
Joe Manchin probably said, F you, I'm not voting for this thing if you don't give me something to run for election. Because remember, Joe Manchin betrayed his constituency in West Virginia by supporting the Inflation Reduction Act, which is an attack on what? Coal, fossil fuels, so on and so forth, which guess what? It's West Virginia. That's the industry there. So he's trying to fight back and give him something to talk about when he goes home that he can celebrate. And he did get something. He got the approval of something called the Mountain Valley Pipeline. So who's the winner in this? The student loan bailout, that's still in there. The debt ceiling's raised until January 1st, 2025. The Inflation Reduction Act's left intact. $1.4 billion only of $80 billion was stripped from that allocation to hire IRS agents to audit you and rob you of more money. It only rescinded $28 billion in unspent COVID relief funds, which is, again, a drop in the bucket. And um, the spending caps are tied to the current year's budget, 2023. Not even the fiscal year 2022 budget. So we're still spending more money. Well, look, the reason we're in this mess is because spending exploded because of COVID. And the budgets reflect that. And we have, he couldn't even negotiate to go back to pre-COVID spending levels. You see, every time the federal government increases discretionary, indiscretion, whenever the budget grows, it never goes back down. It always gets bigger year after year after year. They never cut anything. So if the federal budget's $4 trillion, and next year it goes to $4.5 trillion, it's never going below $4.5 trillion again. It's only going to go upwards. That's the way these lunatics operate and run the country. But don't take it from me. I've got, um, I've got Bharat Ramamurti. He's the deputy director of the National Economic Council. I want you to hear what he had to say. He's a Democrat, obviously, in support of this. Here's what he had to say about the budget deal. Who's the winner? Who's the loser? Go ahead, Captain. Protects uh, all of the key pieces of legislation that the president signed into law in the last two years. New investments in clean energy, new investments in semiconductor manufacturing, new infrastructure investments that are being seen across the country. Well, again, I would describe it as a good, fair deal that reflects the realities of divided government that helps preserve what has been an incredibly strong set of progressive accomplishments over the last two and a half years preserves the progressive accomplishments. There you have it. Of course, it's a great deal. We didn't get anything taken back. Nothing. Now, this was an interesting piece I came across I wanted to share with you. This is uh, over at The Federalist, written by Chris Jacobs. I'm just going to read through this a little bit with you, and I'll I'll kind of pause to explain. But his point is, this is worse than even what I'm talking about. Because we're going to be blasted with an omnibus soon, too. Remember the omnibus bills? Remember that one they did on Christmas? How many thousands of pages was that thing? Here, you have 13 hours to read uh, 4,000 pages. Now let's go sign this thing. So what he's suggesting is McCarthy's more sinister than I'm even suggesting. 
because McCarthy's actually pre-planned, hooked into this, another opportunity to stab us all in the back. So Chris Jacobs writes, on Tuesday, Representative Thomas Massey explained why he would vote to advance the agreement in the House Rules Committee later in the day, even as fellow conservatives Chip Roy, Ralph Norman opposed the measure. Massey cited Section 102 of the bill, which he claimed was a variation of a plan he'd previously proposed. While Massey criticized the behind-closed-door elements of the Biden-McCarthy negotiations, you know, criticize, I'm, I'm interjecting, criticize is not enough. Criticize, the leader that you voted on, right? The members of the House of Representatives who are Republicans had to vote to put Speaker McCarthy in that speaker's chair in that nice cozy office in the Capitol. They had to vote to give him the gavel. And he made all these promises, all these promises to them. And what does he do with the first test that he gets? He goes behind doors, shuts out the conservatives, and makes a deal. Anyway, so Massey criticized behind closed door, criticized, uh, whatever, okay. (sighs) Calming down. Here we go. So Massey said the process would look different when it came to compiling Congress's annual spending bill. I know where to start with this. Hey, we know that he betrayed us this time, but you know what? The next time, McCarthy's going to be told. It's going to be different. Just trust me. Famous last words. So Massey says, that's not the process we're going to follow when we get to appropriations. You know, the secret backstabbing of Republicans where you strike deals with Democrats in a dark room. He says there are things to dislike and things to like about this bill, but the redeeming portion is this section 102 where we all come to, we're forced, Senate, House, Republican, Democrat, President, everybody for us to come to the table and do our job. Pass all 12 appropriations bills. Now, just to give you a little primer real quick, Drew University time. An omnibus bill. Oh yeah, you got it. That's it. That's it. Drew University is open. Um, look, you got, you got all these subcommittees, right? 12 of them, 12 appropriation subcommittees. You got agriculture, commerce. I mean, they're grouped together, but there's 12 of them. Labor, health, human services, interior, environment, related agencies, homeland security. So you got all these committees and they're responsible for submitting budgets that correlate to what they oversee, right? Discretionary funding for the government. And each of these subcommittees, 12 of them, have to produce a bill each year, right, to fund their particular departments. So what they do in an omnibus is they put all these together. So instead of voting on them as they roll out one at a time, what they do is they together like they did last time, and they say, we're just going to vote on all 12 of these budgetary items at one go. And that's why you have a 4,000-page bill. So anyway, is that clear, Captain? Okay. So Massey's saying that in this bill, Section 102, they all have to come together and pass all 12 appropriations bills. If they haven't at 
some point, I don't know what point he's talking about, there's going to be a 1% cut, which is laughable anyway. Oh, wow. A 1% cut. $5 trillion. 1% cut. Anyway. Amazing. Amazing. Imagine you're in debt, you know? You owe your bank, let's just say it's $10,000. Let's say you owe your bank, you got, you got debt, you owe uh, Bank of America 10000 bucks, And you cut your spending at home by 1%. You going to pay that debt off that way? These people are clowns. Not massy per se, but just in general. These people that are thieves picking our pockets and just spending our money like drunken sailors. <clears throat> so anyway, so based on the context of this quote, Chris Jacobs, the author of this piece at The Federalist, is saying, Massey is saying, believes that Section 102 of the debt limit bill is going to encourage this regular order. Congress considering bills through an open process involving committee markups and amendments and preclude a massive secretive omnibus spending bill. See, what they do with the omnibus is they wait till the very last minute. The very last minute. So there's no time, right? They create a disaster and they submit these different, they put all these bills in an omnibus bill to fund the government and they give you 12 hours to read it and they say a nuclear bomb's gonna go off if we don't pass this thing and there's no time to go through this process where everyone can read these bills, circulate them, mark them up, change them and make adjustments. So you get to cram all this pork and so on and so forth in there. So Chris Jacobs, in his opinion, he's pointing out that unfortunately Massey has it entirely backwards. Instead of discouraging an omnibus bill, Section 102 will virtually guarantee it. So anyway, this language about this is on pages 12 to 15 of the 99-page measure. Um... <clears throat> It would adjust spending caps for either or both of the next two fiscal years if a continuing resolution is in places of January 1st. For instance, fiscal year 2024 begins this coming October 1st, 2023. If the continuing resolution is in place for any portion of the federal government as of January 1st, 2024, then the spending caps negotiated in the bill would get adjusted. In that sense, the bill would help to ensure that Congress passes each of the 12 full-year discretionary appropriation acts, as the bill states. But Section 102 comes with a huge caveat. Here's the caveat. Ready? It doesn't prohibit passing those 12 acts in a single omnibus spending bill, as Congress has done far too often in recent years. So to avoid these adjusted spending caps, right, the 1% decrease or whatever else, inflicted on them as a as punishment, Congress can either pass the 12 appropriation bills one by one, or they can jam them all into a big, massive package. Which one do you think Congress is going to take? Now, the incentives, incentives, he says, favor an omnibus. If you look at this section, this table in, of the CBO's analysis of the legislation, if Section 102 gets triggered, Spending on defense programs, which Republicans generally support, will decrease, while spending on non-defense programs will actually increase. These incentives will give Republican leadership a perfect excuse. Ding, 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 ding. Do you get it? Do you get how they set this thing up? So the Republicans, McCarthy built into this thing a reason for him to help the Democrats out again. Oh, we can't. Because, right, they're the, they're the hawks, right? We, we cannot. We cannot sacrifice spending on defense. So he says, um, 
what they're going to argue, and we'll see. Look, time's going to tell. We'll see. He's he's positing that these Republicans like McCarthy are going to argue defense and national security interests are going to suffer from the lower spending levels. And as for Democrats, he says, why would they vote for an omnibus when doing nothing and triggering Section 102 would see higher non-defense spending and lower defense spending compared to the alternative? So it's, it's a rigged game against conservatives. That's his point. He's saying McCarthy used the debt limit agreement not only to screw us now, but to rig the process against conservatives down the road guaranteeing this omnibus. I'm not happy with McCarthy. I'm not. I've heard people try and be... Look, I've had time to think about this. I I wasn't hot-headed about this. I kind of sat on it. I kind of read. I waited to see the reactions. I waited to see the bill, of course. And look, I I, want to be a cheerleader to you all, not to these miscreants that are screwing us. And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. But no matter... I mean, you can't even... There's no way. There's no way to find a silver lining in what just happened here. We had the power of the purse. And what what was that negotiation like anyway with Joe Biden? Remember when Joe Biden uh, farted in front of the Duchess of Cornwall? He was at a climate summit over in Scotland. I think this was last year. And she couldn't stop talking. It was big news. He was talking to her and he just let out a, you know, a loud one. A loud one. Contributing, doing his part to planet. All right, I'm going to get into the... the uh, the um, Christopher Ray allowing, well, he's allowing two Republicans. Well, he's allowing one Republican and Jamie Raskin, a Democrat, two of them to go into a secret room and look at this document that supposedly alleges, that we've been told alleges, lays out the bribery scheme with Joe Biden, but before I get to that, I want to, I want to deal with this. I, I'm just, I, honestly, I'm outraged by this. I'm so sick of these faux scandals. The, the latest big bombshell to get Trump, of course, is that the special counsel leaked, well, information about this, but they obtained a tape of Trump discussing a classified document he kept after. This is so sick to me, too. So you've got a special counsel set up, their job's to investigate and come to a conclusion. And yet, The reason they're doing this is they know that ultimately this is going to end up in front of a grand jury. And a grand jury, of course, only needs a simple majority to indict Trump. It's the same reason they they use this in New York. It's the same reason they're using grand juries all over the place, because you can indict a ham sandwich. And so it doesn't actually penalize Trump, really. But they can claim he's indicted 50 times. This is election interference, by the way. What is happening right now is all election interference. That's what all this is. So the special counsel, you've got this ongoing investigation, and the special counsel is out there leaking information to the press. It's just, it's unbelievable. You're not innocent until proven guilty. You're just guilty. 
you're guilty. And even if you have proven innocent, the Democrats still say you're guilty. So what's this big bombshell? Special counsel Jack Smith's office has obtained a recording of former President Donald Trump discussing a classified planning document that he had taken from his time at the White House. The planning document Trump kept was related to Iran, the source said. And the former president acknowledged on the tape that it was... So... So Trump never denied he had quote-unquote classified documents. The, the, The whole point of this is that Trump never did anything wrong. He's the president of the United States. He can declassify anything he wants. Process or not. Most people say it's a plenary power anyway. But this is absurd. Now, before I get into this, actually... So they're, oh man. So they've been saying, we've known that Trump was in possession of quote unquote classified documents. That's what the Mar-a-Lago raid was about. And we knew even a year before that, Trump's lawyers were in direct talks with the archives about returning what the archives were saying belonged to them because they were classified documents and so on. So it's never been denied in the sense that it's classified, but he, I mean, he's the president. He can look at anything he wants during his administration. This is, this is just absurd. So now there's a leak of Trump saying, classified document. Well, no crap. You've been saying he's got 60,000 of these classified documents. That's not the issue. The issue is whether he can possess classified documents from his own administration or not. And the answer, of course, is he can. Now compare what they're doing to Donald Trump. So they want to find and indict him, find him guilty of possessing classified documents. They say the president of the United States can't do that. He violated the law. Meanwhile, the snake himself. I'm sorry. I know some of you like him. But this makes it difficult to like uh, Vice President Pence for me. So after it was, you know, Trump was under attack. I think it was after the Mar-a-Lago raid might have even happened. But anyway, nonetheless, after it was revealed that Trump had classified documents, Pence gave an interview. He was asked about what he thought about this and if he would ever do such a thing. Play cut four, Captain. Go. you take any classified documents with you from the White House? Uh... I, I did not. Um, do you see any reason for anyone to take classified documents with them leaving the White House? Well, there'd be no reason to have classified documents, particularly if they were in an unprotected area. Uh, well, there were classified documents, and they were in, as you report, an unprotected area. Right. Uh, oh, well, would you ever have? Well, no, I, I mean... No, I don't have any classified documents. Is there any reason for anyone to ever? No, no, no. There's no. I can't think of a single reason why anyone be in possession of classified documents. Trump's such a dodo. I mean, I've already tried to help you get him on January sixth, uh, but you know, I mean, my former boss. I mean, you should classify. I would never do such a thing. Cue up, cut five, Captain. So that's Pence, and you notice the long pause there. Do you have classified documents? No. No, I, I, I don't have them. And I think in his mind there, he may have realized, oops, play cut five, go. 
We're just now learning for the first time that former Vice President Mike Pence has discovered classified documents at his home in Indiana. Vice President Pence informed Congress on Tuesday of this week, which would be uh, yesterday, that uh, or last week, excuse me, that he discovered documents bearing classified markings in his Carmel, Indiana home on January 16th from his time as vice president. Now, surely Vice President Pence will go to jail for this, right? I mean, after all, they're saying that the president of the United States, who actually has the sole authority to declassify, they're saying that President Trump should go to jail. So if the vice president has possession of these classified documents, like Joe Biden, like Vice President Pence, surely they'll go to prison, right? It's a good enough place for the president who had declassified documents. Certainly a classic, classy gulag should be in store for the VPs. No, you're wrong. Mike Pence will not be charged in classified documents investigation. According to a letter obtained by NBC News, the Department of Justice's National Security Division formally informed Pence's attorney that it had closed its investigation and the former vice president will not be charged. So why the hell is there an investigation into President Trump about having classified documents right now. Why? All right. I'll tell you why. Little weasels like Weissman. Weissman. Listen to this guy. This guy's gonads have not dropped. They're still up high in his throat. He's an older man, but you'll hear what I'm talking about. Go ahead, uh, gonad man. Is, is Donald Trump's history of lying a potential defense for him? Um, so the answer to that's no, um, for the following reason. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if the document uh, that he is describing does not exist, in other words, the whole thing is just his bluffing, um, the evidence on that tape is still useful to show his state of mind. But the, all the reporting to date is that that document that, that he's describing does exist. And obviously, Jack Smith is going to know, right. you know for sure, one way or the other, whether it does or not. But the other thing is, when you think about all of the various defenses that we've heard, you know, many totally inconsistent, like the documents were planted right. to, I had every right to take the documents. Just imagine the chart that the government is going to use in opening and in summation Mm -hmm. of all of the inconsistent statements that Donald Trump made. To me, it reminds me very much of what happened in the E. Jean Carroll uh, sexual assault case where um, the plaintiff there used Donald Trump's own words and inconsistent statements to prove her case. And I think that is what we're going to see in the Mar-a-Lago case uh, when it's brought. I don't know if you heard carefully there what he just described, but he described the death of the justice system. You see, what he's suggesting, what he thinks is great, is that you aren't trying somebody. You don't have to find them guilty of what you accuse them of. You just have to not like them. So when he talks about the E. Jean Carroll case, for example, right, that was a civil trial 
the preponderant standard, because it's a civil trial, not a criminal trial, is 51%. That means the jury, just a simple majority of them, have to be 51% sure that the plaintiff's claim is true. Jean Carroll, right? She alleges that Donald Trump raped her at some year she can't remember, 30 years, 30 years ago. And she goes before the jury. And she has no evidence. And in fact, the jury, even though they found him liable for battery and defamation, they did not believe her claim of rape. I've talked about this. But in that courtroom, the judge allowed for the admittance as evidence the 2005 circa whatever, grab them by the tape. Now that is totally irrelevant to proving her case. Donald Trump had locker room talk in 2005. How does that prove that Donald Trump raped E. Jean Carroll? Do you understand my point here? So in this case, it's even more egregious because the accusation is that Trump did something that isn't even a violation of any law. He had classified documents. Now, they're alleging he has this specific document. In the, in the audio, apparently, he talks about this specific document. Last I heard, too, Captain, the real story and scandal about this document is it was a plan that's... What's his name? Millie. Milley, General Milley, the traitor Milley who called the Chinese and said, I'll give you a call if Trump makes a move. I'll let you know ahead of time. He should be in a prison cell for that, by the way. Nonetheless, Milley, this is the same guy. Milley wanted to go to war and invade Iran. This is what the document pertained to. Lunatic. They say Trump's the lunatic. You got Milley drawing up battle plans to go and invade Iran. That's the scandal. What is wrong with Millie? They want to talk. Well, this gives us insight into Donald Trump's mind. What does it have to do with anything, Weissman? So you see here? So if so now they're upset about this apparent document that, that he references in audio, but, but apparently they can't find this document right now. The lawyers haven't located it yet. And Weissman says, well, even if none of that happened, what we're alleging right now, even if none of that happened, it's not a big deal because... It still proves what, Weissman? What? Do you understand what's happening here? Meanwhile, Pence and Vice, two VPs, who should literally actually be in jail for what they did, they don't have the ability to declassify. They took classified documents from the White House, Pence and Biden, and they're exonerated. I don't think there's anything left to say. I mean, I think it's pretty clear how absurd this is, right? All right, so while they're going after Trump, we've got a few updates here about, um, well, Biden corruption. What's so frustrating about the Biden corruption is we all know what he did. We all know what he did. The crimes are pretty much in front of our face. We have the emails that purport it, but the, the missing link is the FBI to actually investigate, right? So, 
Here's the problem. If you'll recall Trump-Russia collusion, right? That whole thing was based on, well, the Clinton campaign paid for opposition research. They paid Christopher Steele, who then went to Igor Danchenko, who was his primary source of information. So the PP tape, Trump stayed in the Moscow hotel and I don't even know how that works. I don't remember, but you know, they, they peed on each other, peed on the bed or something, whatever, something gross, made it up. Everything in the dossier was uncorroborated. It was literally fabricated, made up, but they used that dossier, these baseless accusations to get a special counsel to investigate Trump for nebulous, inexplicable Trump-Russia collusion, whatever that even meant. And that's really what this classified document thing is too. Trump-Russia collusion sounds so nefarious. Well, what did Trump do exactly? He had classified documents. Wait, but VP Pence and VP Biden had classified documents. Well, it's different. How? Because they're not Trump and we hate Trump and we want to kill Trump. That's it. So anyway, of course, with that fake dossier, what did the FBI do? They spied on Carter Page. They spied on the uh, Trump campaign. They spied on Trump, the administration. They, 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 they hired Robert Mueller to investigate for two years, Trump-Russia collusion off of that fake dossier. So here, we know the FBI has actually interviewed people in the past who have alleged worse things than Trump-Russia collusion, right? So in this case, we have something involving a $5 million bribery scheme. That's what we know about this. So someone told the FBI that Joe Biden was engaged in a bribery scheme, likely in Ukraine. And the problem is the FBI hasn't acted on that intelligence. This is the issue. You can't get the FBI to do their job. See, Congress is not the FBI. Congress is not the CIA. Congress is a a legislative body. They don't have spies. Chuck Grassley is not going to fly over to Ukraine and start interviewing people. You understand? The FBI is supposed to do that job. And they need a special counsel. And I don't know why they haven't done this or demanded it so far. Let's hope. Look, I'm optimistic. But here's what happened. And I want to tell you why. I don't want you to get too excited. Just, just be cautiously optimistic here, okay? So from the Washington Examiner, the headline, Powers win an FBI fight as Ray agrees to show top members Biden bribery memo. <clears throat> So they threatened to uh, dad brain. They were going to hold Ray in contempt. They were going to hold Ray in contempt, which sounds bad. It's pretty useless. Now, they've done this to Republicans, but it wasn't going to go anywhere because, once again, you're not going to get the FBI and DOJ to investigate themselves. It's never going to happen. Not with these corrupt Democrats. But nonetheless, Ray forked it over. But the reason Ray forked it over is I think what happened was a pretty brilliant move by Comer and Grassley. Because see, Grassley had actually already seen this particular memo that alleges the bribery scheme. And I don't think he let that on 
let Ray on to that bit of information. So he really outmaneuvered Ray here. Because Ray was saying, oh, we, we have to protect our confidential human source. And Grassley, because he's already seen it, said there's nothing to protect. So a pretty brilliant maneuver in one respect. So props to Grassley for being smart. So what is this good news? Um, well, first, Ray offered Comer the chance to view a redacted document, which is stupid. When they redact these things, it's just a bunch of black lines. There's nothing to see. So finally, they came to a agreement. And on Monday, on Monday, what they're going to do is they're going to let Jim, they're going to let Comer and they're going to let uh, Raskin look at this in a skiff is what they call it. Why can't I find that here now? I know that's fact because I was on a radio show earlier today and they wanted me to talk about this and I hope I didn't. No, I'm just kidding. I had my facts straight, but I'm looking for it now. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, it's FD-1023. That's what the memo is that they've been looking for. Oh, here we go. Yeah, the document will be brought to Capitol Hill on Monday, and Comer and Oversight Committee Ranking Member Jamie Raskin, Democrat, Maryland, will, those will be the only two members to view it. Now, I want to tell you why this is problematic. What's the issue here? You've got... Raskin, like, why, why is it happening this way? Sure, it's true that, it's true that um, Oversight Committee Ranking Member Jamie Raskin, you know, he has some kind of seniority there. But they're not showing this to the entire committee. They're only showing this to two people. One Republican, Comer, and one Democrat, Raskin. But they're not allowing them to release this document, to my knowledge. So what's going to happen now? Are any minds going to be changed? What do you think Raskin's going to say to the media? You see, all you're going to have is two competing narratives. You're going to have Comer and you're going to have Grassley continue to claim that they've seen this document and it alleges X, Y, Z. And you're going to have Raskin provide, providing the media with a counter narrative saying this is nothing in it. This is why I say don't get very excited because this doesn't really push anything down the court for us. And I guarantee you, just wait for it. After Monday, Raskin's going to be all over the media, all over the news, and he will be the counter-narrative to whatever Comer's saying. And this is the setup. This is the setup. Now, back to Grassley. Now, Grassley, brilliant tactical move here. He's already seen the FBI's summary of the confidential human sources claims that then Vice President Joe Biden agreed to accept money from a foreign national to affect policy decisions. And I am pretty certain this is related to Burisma. I've said that for a long time, but I'm, you know, if I had to bet on it, I would bet you that this involves Burisma and it would involve the firing of Victor Shokin. Everything I've read points to the likelihood that this involves Burisma paying Joe Biden in some capacity because a Ukrainian legislator already alleged this years ago. He said he had proof. I don't know what the proof is, but he said he had proof that Joe Biden had been paid by Burisma directly to get this investigation into Burisma corruption shut down. 
So Grassley's may I report public as soon as the borough complies with a congressional subpoena to provide an official copy of FD 1023. I think this, is this backtracking? Nonetheless, um, da, 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 da. the subpoena and related correspondence indicate the whistleblower has intimate knowledge of the CHC's confidential human sources claims with Grassley and Comer revealing that the FD 1023 form was dated June 30th, 2020 and alleged the bribe of $5 million. So they have more evidence of Joe Biden corruption in this one document than, than was contained in the entire Steele dossier alleging Donald Trump Russian collusion. And yet the FBI has been covering this up and refusing to take action. And this is the frustration. Because what must happen if there's going to be any kind of justice is the FBI has to do its job. Now, cue up, cue up for me, cut seven, Captain. The libs are playing this in the media, this clip of Grassley, to try and suggest that this means that the Republicans don't have anything, that Joe Biden is innocent. They're lying. I'll tell you what it means. Go ahead and play cut seven. Go for a non-classified document to be held in secret. Senator, how damning is this document to the sitting U.S. president? Well, it's, uh, I, I, I don't know that, and but that's you, what we but need But you've to, read it. I read it. Uh, let's put it this way. There's accusations in it, but uh, that's, uh, it's not for me to make a judgment about whether these accusations are accurate or not. It's up to my job to make sure the FBI is doing their job. And uh, that's what this is all about, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Public's business ought to be public. James Comey, the former FBI director. So, of course, he is asked directly, you know, is this going to sink the Biden administration, essentially? And he says, I don't know. He's not saying he doesn't think that, that Joe Biden did something illegal and unlawful. What he's saying is, He's not the judge and jury. And the FBI is supposed to be investigating this to find out. So, for example, I I mean, I'll tell you, this is the way it works. So in this memo, I I mean, I haven't read the memo, obviously, but I'll just give you a rundown to make my point. So you you have a confidential human source, and he's sitting there interviewing with the FBI about Joe Biden. And he says, look, I know and I want to tell you something that happened. Joe Biden had a conversation with Billy. And Billy asked Joe Biden to get Victor Shokin fired for $5 million. And this is how the payments went down. Frank wired the money to Billy, who wired the money to Jeff, who gave it to Frederick. And then it went into... So you have the puzzle in front of you. You have the roadmap, right? And so what you would do in this case as the FBI is you would go talk to Billy. You would go talk to all these people to investigate, right? This is how police do their job. This is how any of these investigative jobs are done. And the point is the FBI hasn't done that. They haven't done that. So, you know, be cautiously optimistic. But, I mean, knowing what we know about the FBI and what they did to Trump and how they've been protecting and covering for the Biden crime family and the whole Democratic Party, Hillary Clinton, Obama. I'm just here to be realistic. 
You think the FBI is going to start investigating Joe Biden now? If they haven't done it for the past three years? Pipe dream. This is why I am demanding, I'm begging, I'm pleading with Republicans. Demand a special counsel. It's the only way. The special counsel can go and talk to these people. The special counsel can get access to these documents. The special counsel won't be obstructed in this way. That's what we need. All right, ladies and gentlemen, great patriots. This is Drew Allen. Good being back with you, spit up and all. Uh, God bless you all, and until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew, Drew Allen. Has Drew Allen. I look to this guy for wisdom.